privilege to welcome up the, the lady that God used to put Maria and I into the ministry. She's got this real official bio, and Maria read it on the, uh, at the ladies' conference, and I, I heard the whole time Jeannie was like, don't read the bio. So I'm not going to read you the whole bio today. Because in reality, the biggest statement, the biggest compliment, the biggest way I can introduce her to you is what she's meant to me in my life and in Maria and I's life. When I was in high school, actually I was in junior high school, she saw the call of God on my life and she watched me through junior high, through high school, and at the end of high school she said, would you let me help you with that call of God on your life and train you for ministry? I remember sitting in the front step of her house, it was my senior year, and I was debating about what to do after high school and she said, would you trust me with that call on your life? And my family and I prayed and we said yes. And so for three years she trained me in her internship program and I watched her handle ministry, I watched her love for people. So if you see any of those things in Maria and I, you see a genuineness, you see a love for people, a willingness to be present in a conversation and not look past individuals or to be too important or too, too whatever for people, those are things that were mentored into us by the Mayos. Her husband, Pastor Sam Mayo, I always will call my pastor. He's now with, in heaven with the Lord. Um, but he's the lead pastor that I would say I tried to model my ministry after as a servant leader. He was a wonderful leader, but he was never too big to move tables or help clean or pick up things or to be the first one hands-on in ministry. We learned so much about not just the function of ministry, but the heart of God in ministry. And over the years, Jeannie's just been a huge blessing to help us process big decisions, to help us. She's always been available. She wasn't just my youth pastor years ago. She's still one of those pastors and voices in our lives, which I appreciate that because church family and we're meant to partner throughout life together and not just like, oh, I did church 10 years ago with them. They no longer matter. We do life together and there's an idea of honor that continues and, and trust that continues. So I could go on and on about the different times. She helped Maria and I, you know, once we started dating, probably much more counseling in our dating and helping us. I remember one time I actually broke up with Maria. I shouldn't probably say this. The dumbest decision of my life. I was on a retreat, high school retreat, and I was about to go into my ministry training and I just for some reason thought I should just cut all ties with, you know, any relationships or anything like that and just go all in for God. And I told Jeannie um, that I had, uh, you know, broken up with Maria or whatever. And Jeannie was very, very encouraging. Like that was dumb, right? That was really dumb. You need to get back together. So she's just been a real encouragement throughout the beginning. She's been with us every step of the way in our marriage, throughout our ministry. And it's so great to have her as a part of where we are now with Calvary and to begin speaking and sewing into where we're heading as a church. Would you please welcome Jeannie Mayo to the platform with all your heart. Just open up your heart and receive what God has from her today. You're so good. I love it. <laughs> I remember that conversation. Kevin, you did what? You broke up with her? Why did you broke, break up with her? I, well, I just want to be all in. And I believe I did. I was nicer than you were dumb. It was, pray about that again while you're asking her to forgive you. And, you know, you got a good one, son. Don't move to another one. When you landed, I love you. Hey, forgive my voice. I've had a bit of a bug while I'm here. And, and you know, you, you're supposed to think my voice is sexy. 
because it's low. <laughs> Come on, you gotta laugh, you know. I'm, I'm fun, but then I promise I'll get serious. And I told you this, I was here in January, and I just wanna say again, what a healthy culture Jesus has kissed you with. Even from January, I, I got to be here, as Maria said, to speak at the amazing Sisterhood Conference. And gosh, what a difference in the atmosphere, health. If you just started coming around, you weren't here in January. My name's Jeannie, and I'm so honored to be here with you. And I said this in January, this is this wild deja vu. My mic came down. I'm so glad they're fixing it. Hair is of the devil when you're a woman. Sound booth, I promise, I tried to not even touch it. Kev, thank you. Girls, is my hair okay now? Okay, all right, got it. Got it. I know you feel relieved, all right? But you're gonna look at me great big on that screen. Gosh, I need to lose weight. In, in Jesus' name, all right. <laughs> hate to look at myself up there. But anyway, this is such a deja vu because my amazing husband, Pastor Mayo, as Kevin already referenced, who's in heaven now, uh, we pastored for, gosh, of almost 15 years in Rockford, Illinois, in, it must have been the same architect, exact layout of this church, 5,000 seats, exact layout. And uh, when I visited your church many years before that. I've been in ministry, 53 exciting, fulfilling years, and I'm still excitedly doing my thing. I still love it. Who wants to just sit around and be bored and play bingo? And so, but if you play bingo, that's amazing. You just make money off bingo and tithe to this church. But gosh, you know, um, it's, it's just been, an amazing run, and I have no idea what part of that story I was about to tell you, but it was a great story. But thanks so much for letting me be here, and I know you know this, but, uh, and I'm not saying this because I am privileged to be uh, at a pivotal point in their spiritual heritage. Um, I travel, gosh, I, I have full-time ministry at home, coaching leaders, and then I travel three out of four weekends a month all over, all over. And so I'm in lots of churches. And I have lots of spiritual kids, and I don't say this about all of them. You are blessed of the Lord to have Kevin and Maria Kringle as your pastors. You're blessed of the Lord. They're rare. They're rare. And gosh, you know, just can you be a voice of encouragement? And again, They've not said a word to me, but most of the time in churches, people think everybody else is telling them words of encouragement. And truth is, usually, as pastors, we just hear everybody's gripes. So, you know what? Don't tell them a gripe unless you're willing to fix it. And, and then just take some moments to appreciate not just them, but your whole pastoral staff. I'm Carolyn and Brian Dunn are my spiritual kids. And now Eric and Courtney, I can keep going. I mean, you have an, um, Danny, I mean, a wonderful church family. Okay, fun. Let me have fun for a minute. If you're not fun, go to the bathroom and come back in about three minutes. You'll have to hurry in the bathroom, no. Uh, gosh, the church has grown, folks, since January. My land, 
really cool. I'm going, wow, this is awesome, awesome. Um, have I said yet how healthy this church is? Let me repeat it again. Folks, uh, again, we had a wonderful building like this, and I celebrate this beautiful building. But gosh, um, health is a gift that no building can give to you. And health is here. So congratulations. Lord, thanks. That's amazing. Okay, fun story. Yeah, you can clap for that because Jesus has been amazing. Uh, oh, I know what I was about to say. The time I was here as a young woman in ministry in your church was before this sanctuary was built and you were still in what I just spoke in, the gymnasium. And I came to Alex. It was when Alex Klappenberg was a youth pastor and he used to hold youth leader conferences. And I would come and then I sat at the very back of that sanctuary before, not this one, and listened to Joy Dawson tell me that God is after people who pursue to know his character. And that's marked my life. So, gosh, building, you know, I was in the little one. Uh, and again, I so celebrate this amazing possibility of what God has given you. But I most celebrate the culture that you and Jesus are partnering to make possible. So awesome, awesome. Okay, um, an elderly pastor was in the hospital, and it wasn't particularly sad. He was well into his 90s. He had served Jesus very faithfully, and it was just obvious that most of his organs were shutting down. And they put him into the hospice care unit, and they, he knew that the Lord was calling him home soon, but that was pretty exciting because he knew where he was going. And so he said to one of the hospice care ladies, uh, I would like to see two people together as guests before I enter into eternity. Certainly, sir, pastor, who would you like? Well, he said, I'd like to see my lawyer. And he said, uh, my relatives can give you that name and number. And then just any IRS auditor. Pardon me? Any local IRS auditor. Those are the two. I'd like to see them together. Yes, sir. So, of course, a little awkward, but they made the arrangements. Within 48 hours, the two men in the hospice were standing outside the door. Again, the, the hospice facilitator explained, he, you must mean a great deal to him. Because when I asked him who he wanted to see at the very conclusion of life on earth, it was, it was you two. So awkward that. You know, they didn't know they had meant that much to the old pastor, and so they walked in quietly, and the pastor had some oxygen on his to help him breathe, and he, he just motioned for both of them to come over and sit on either side of the bed, and they did. Still awkward. And he reached out his, his little shaking hands, and he took both of them by hand, and he just <laughs> looked up in heaven, <sighs> just so blissfully contented. And it was really, you can imagine the scene for a minute. And, uh, and finally, the lawyer, who did know him, his lawyer spoke up. And, and he said, Pastor, we are so honored to be here at this point that you would request to see us. Um, but we are a little, a little confused. Why? 
why would you like for us to be by you today? And he took his little face mask off slowly and working to get each word out, he said, well, I wanna be like Jesus. And Jesus died between two thieves. I want to be like him. <laughs> Jesus died between two thieves. I, I won't take that any further, but if you're a lawyer, you're amazing. Don't get mad. If you're irritated now, get healed. All right, so <laughs> I would love to talk about what I'm calling third-class ticket theology, third-class ticket theology. Now, I love history. Oh, by the way, I forgot, forgive me, I forgot to do this. If you're interested in any of my books, they'll be right out there on the table. Uh, some, some ones that I think you'll enjoy. So stop by the table. And then if you're interested, I do a, a wonderful, my, my pastoral leadership for this year is full called the Cadre. Uh, but I also do a woman's mastermind, totally online, live, two hours of coaching each month, and then you come to my house for a couple of days. And it's been such a joy, it's called Prevail. And uh, so if you're interested, nothing to take the place of your women's ministry here, not that at all. I do it Zoom-wise, live, so that it doesn't cost you uh, ridiculous money. And then if you're able to, you come into Atlanta and hang out in my house for a couple of days. And we have such an unforgettable time together. And I email coach throughout the year and give you lots of resources. It's a growth pattern. And, and I've come to love it, prevail. So lift up your phone while it's up there and take the little QR code. You know how to do it. Or stop by my table and you can pick up a brochure. Just a cool way to have investment. Uh, one of your staff, Danny, gave me the privilege of doing it with me this year. It's just cool to invest where some of my spiritual kids are. Okay, back to third class ticket theology. I, I love history. History is his story, if you break the word down. And I, we pastored for 15 years in Bellevue, Nebraska, next to Omaha. And so I was looking through some old, antique Omaha World Herald newspaper headlines and uh, found one way back from the 1800s. And it, and it was talking about stagecoach rides. And it was a person, the article said in 1877, said, quote, never expect for a moment as you go on a stagecoach that you are going on any sort of picnic. Expect irritation, discomfort, and even quite probable hardships. And then they posted below the Concord Stagecoach third class ticket categories from 1877. And I'll, I'll read them to you. First class ticket, the passengers received service while remaining comfortably in their seats. So they got their food and their beverage. They never had to get out. And if anything, if the stagecoach should lose a wheel or anything, they, they um, just stayed comfortably inside the stagecoach while others fixed it. If you paid a little bit less, second class ticket, passengers disembarked and observed when they hit rough times. You know, if you had to change the wheel, they didn't do anything about it, but to get 
wait on the stagecoach, they disembark. But third class ticket people, they disembarked and they pushed the coach out of the mud or the up, it went uphill, whatever, or helped put the wheel back on, whatever. And here was the key line I cracked up, without complaint. And I would love to welcome you here at Calvary to being third-class ticket holders. Hello, you can clap over that one lady in the front did. Because see, nothing you do halfway is any fun. And, and so I'm such an all-in person um, because that's the way you get fun and meaning and fulfillment out of life. Guys, do you realize, I'm sure you know it, but I'm, I'm, so, I'm so intrigued with it. Next year will be 70 wonderful years that this church has, has been, and, and again, it has existed. And so many great memories. They were giving me the list of pastors. Boy, you've gone through them. But you know what I heard, Kevin? You have, I'm sorry. If you're new, don't worry about it. So it's a happy list. But do you know what I heard? Kevin Murray, one of them said, just in passing, they didn't even mean it to impress because Sam and I are such, uh, we're such stayers. They said, we're here for the long haul. You need to be so grateful. You need to be so grateful. And, and so, you know, looking at it, gosh, um, I, I just want to step in, because see, now I'm talking from the heart of senior pastoring. Sam and I did it so many years together before he got Lewy body dementia, and I kept him at home. He was promoted to be with the Lord five years ago, and we had a great enough marriage that I still miss him. And in my little theology, don't tell me it's wrong, because I don't want to know it's wrong, he occasionally leans over heaven and cheers me on. I think Hebrews 11 gives me a little room to dance on that. And again, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. If you're gonna tell me, he doesn't occasionally look and wink and say, that's my gal. But he was a third class ticket holder too. When we came into our wonderful church, exactly the mirror image of this one, they were right at bankruptcy and we got the privilege of, of, of jumping in and, and by God's grace, turning some wonderful things around. One of my spiritual sons who, who got saved during the era in Rockford that Kevin and Maria and I so closely aligned, and Brian and Carolyn uh, is their senior pastor now. But, but what I want to say to you is, gosh, you know, I, Kevin used a great expression, and I'm sure you'll hear it more, but every parent will get this. He needs us not to just be a church that comes and looks at the back of somebody else's neck, but he needs us to help this wonderful church family because you're the church. The building is not the church. You all know that. You're the church, but he needs us to help <clears throat> as we move forward, grow into these shoes. These shoes are beautiful and amazing, but costly. To heat, I remember, I won't even ask, I maybe will later on, but I haven't. I remember what the electricity bill was for us in Rockford, Illinois in this sanctuary. <laughs> and I remember 
we, we had it open for prayer every day, but we'd pray with very dim lights because there was too much money to see very much when you were praying. But, but the deal is we get to grow into our shoes. But I want to say again, and hey, for all of us, the history of the church is amazing, but not as amazing as the future God has. Do you hear that? God never consults your past to create your future. Do you hear that? And, and so again, delighted at the exciting past. But now, wow, about half the congregation is relatively new. All of us, whether we've been here for all 70 years or whether we're just <clears throat> new on the journey. And again, I apologize for my throat. That's not bothering you at all, is it? You're thinking, what a provocative voice she has. <laughs> ugh, ugh. I'm a high soprano, but you couldn't tell it. But, but again, whether you're new or you've been here forever, we so urge you to be third-class ticket holders. Get out of the coach and be a part of. Own. Own. You know, church world today, you're, you're where Disney World is. You get this. We live in a world of performance-based orientation. And we buy a ticket and want somebody else to do everything. That's not the body of Christ. And this will never be all the way your church until you do something, whether it's greeting in the lobby or the parking lot or working in the children's department or working in the youth department or sisterhood or in the men's ministry. It's so, the list is long. And they've got such a simple way. It's called join a team. And it meets during church, so you don't even have to use another hour. During church, the first Sunday of every month, so right after Thanksgiving, you're going to have a, another one of these meetings in the Connections Lounge. You can go to the website, the app, whatever, and sign up just to see what opportunities are there. But gosh, as, as see, I'm kind of your nana. If Kevin, that's good. I feel good about that. Uh, don't call me grandma. I'll get a little, uh, I, I'm too cool for grandma. I'm nana. If you, you didn't think that was funny. I'm sorry. I apologize to all the grandmas in the room. You're way cooler than me. But I have spiritual heritage with you. And so, gosh, I'm so excited that you jump in, those of you who are not already, and that it be your church. And I, I know it is. Now, what are a few of the characteristics that make you third-class ticket holders in today's world? Because, see... In today's society, and this is very concerning to me as somebody who's watched over five decades of ministry and been in the thicket of it, today's society, churches and, and church participants all often confuse talent and gifting with authentic anointing. And there's a world of difference. Your team here is the real deal. Kevin sat down from leading prayer and I thought I just heard my husband pray, which is a huge compliment. You don't know that, but it is in my world. And I patted his knee and I said, you're anointed. And then Maria sat down after she had had her exhortation and then did some, you're anointed. You know, what, what's it take now to be a third class ticket holder? And by the way, when you leave today, it's just something a little, I created a simple little third class ticket 
which was a mock-up of the one that, that was way back from the 1800s. So as you leave the building at the doors, they'll have the tickets for you. Just grab one, stick it somewhere that you'll see it off in your Bible or, or on a mirror somewhere, refrigerator. That's where all important things go in my home. Let me just say a, a few things that make you, in my mind, a third-class ticket holder. And the first one will throw you because you'll think, what's that got to do with ownership? Number one, have the guts to be an individual with personal standards and convictions, even when you stand alone. And you, that doesn't have anything to do with mobilize, get, get, make this your church. Yeah, it does, because we're not going just for a group of people. We're going for a group of people who love Jesus. No, we don't want you to be judgmental. We don't want you to be legalistic. But hey, newsflash, bulletin, most people aren't even close enough to the holiness of God to be any of that. But the issue is, gosh, as a wonderful church family, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh remains flesh. And so nobody's perfect. Please don't wait to, to find out about opportunities for service until you're perfect or you'll never find out about them because nobody's ever perfect enough. Our righteousness is in Jesus Christ. But, but let me say to you, have the guts to have some standards, to have some convictions. We live in an everything is okay world. Everything's not okay. And, and so we could have a lot of people here if we just said, come on, come all, whatever you want to believe, it's your truth. No, your truth has to line up with the Word of God. And I love, I love Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in both to, do, to will and to do for his good pleasure. Work it out. Don't just say, well, I'm not convicted. What does the word of God say about that? Because who you are out there walks in in spirit to who this church is on Sunday. And I, I love this little quote. We often break God's heart long before we break his commandments. So I want to be one of those people. Again, I'm not legalistic. I'm not one of those people that have to pray every time I blow my nose. That's weird. That's not even godly to me. But, but I am somebody who wants to make him smile. You know, when I'm around some of my very revered, treasured spiritual kids, like I am right now, I just love being with them. They make my heart smile. I want to do that in some tiny measure for my father. Mm, so many other things, but I'm going to keep going because I want time to pray at the end. So slide people, I may skip some of those slides. Number two, to be a third-class ticket holder in this wonderful church. Remember that pain in your stagecoach is temporary, but character is permanent. So be the author of your own life story 
not the victim. You say, what's that got to do with owning the church? Everything again. You're not seeing past the superficial. See, here's the deal. If you're a third-class ticket holder, it won't always be fun. You know, if you're in certain ministries, you get here a half hour earlier. And I don't know about you, but when my alarm goes off, I have a wonderful feature on my cell phone called snooze. And it, <coughs> excuse me, and it is used of God. And I hit that baby, and I've hit that baby more than one time, you know. And, and so sometimes you roll, now come on, don't tell me you don't do this. You roll over and you think, I'll watch it online. Now, there's nothing wrong with watching online. We love everybody who's watching it online. But when you're close, it's so impactful to sit in a seat and to touch another human being. And we honor all of you. I know all over the world people are watching this. There's some people who have disabilities and you can't make it out. And we are so honored to have you online. But what I'm saying is, when you're a third-class ticket holder, even when you write that tithe check, sometimes it's painful. Because you really need it if you're looking at eyes of, of your human understanding to stay in your bank account to pay for another necessity. Pain's temporary. But if you're a third-class ticket holder, it's your character that will take you through. You'll show up and be a part of this church when you're not in the mood. Listen, gang, most of today's church world is motivated by what they feel like doing. That's a tragic mistake. Great churches are built by people not just sitting on the sidelines saying what was or saying to somebody else, you go do it. Great churches are built just like this. Again, you've grown since the last time I was here. It's so exciting. Great churches are built by people that say, listen, I'm in the game. I'm going to push the ball down the field. It won't always be fun. If you ever played football, or like our veterans that were honored, I live next door to a very astute seasoned veteran. You know, it was not at all always fun. But if we didn't have veterans in every field, we wouldn't have a country. And if you're not willing to tough it out sometimes and do what doesn't feel warm fuzzy, you'll never be what this church is meant to be. The church, and I know you know it, but I love saying it, the church isn't your pastoral staff. The church is you. The church is you. And I love, and, and we, we know it, you know, when I say be, the, be the, the author of your story, not your victim. Gosh, I could walk around forever feeling sorry for myself, calling myself a widow, and I really want a cooler name for whatever that is. Widow sounds so depressing to say. So if you can think of a cool name, or just with a little pep to it, widow. Whoa, I'm a widow. I am. Um, and by the way, the Bible says to be good to me. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> me and the orphans were hanging out. But, um, <laughs> but it, it, I could be the victim, you know, and I felt the pain deeply because I had the most amazing hero in the universe. I used to, that old Bette Midler song, Wind Beneath My Wings, and I would, that line, has anyone ever told you you're my hero? You're everything I would like to be. 
I can fly higher than an eagle. You're the wind beneath my wings. That was Sam Mayo. And, and, and so, gosh, you know, I grieved, felt deeply, still do, uh, still kind of process with a Christian counselor once a month. I will Monday when I get home again. But the deal is I was determined not to be a victim. We all know stuff happens in all of our lives that are not fun. And stuff happens that's not even fair or that we don't understand. You're not going to understand everything this side of heaven. You're just not. Real faith is trusting God's word and his character when you can't understand your circumstances. That's faith. You've got to, to write the story rather than just being a victim. And I've chosen to go on. I had some really painful things happen um, in my life two, three years ago, but again, had to go on. And I love some of these scriptures. You know it so well, Romans 8, 28, all things work together, work together, work together for good, for those that love God, and those who are called according to his purposes. And then so many other, I love this one, Nahum 1, 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He deeply knows the person who trusts in him. Listen to this. Good leaders survive their pain. Great leaders assign purpose to it. Do you hear that? Let me say it again. Good leaders, they survive their pain, and that's awesome. That's amazing that you did. But great leaders, you assign purpose to it. When I'm lonely, and I am lots, because my two amazing adult sons, both in the ministry of Ray's, Sam's in heaven, and, and you can be around a million people and still be lonely. And at night, when the house clears, because we have the offices in the house, you know, uh, I just want you to know that television stinks anymore. I mean, I'm trying to find something. You can only read your Bible so long. You can only, you know, so finally I turn on my TV and gosh, you know, all this, you know, the Alaska shows are my fiend right now. All of the below zero, all of those things, you know. But the deal is, again, I have to decide if I'm going to just sit around and be sorry for myself or if I'm going to make hell regret that my husband's in heaven and I have a little bit more time to go after it for Jesus. And I am. I am. I am. And then here's really, oh gosh, this is a senior pastor's wife talking. Number three, to be a third class ticket holder, be a WIT person, W-I-T. And WIT stands for probably what you've already guessed, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, be a WIT person. I know this sounds cheesy, but if you happen to have a pen or a felt pen, just appease me and write W-I-T on your, your hand there. I have before, certainly no awkwardness if you prefer not. And, and see, when I, I go beyond that, be a whatever it takes person, a wit person in this church. Don't be the person, we can't do this because, we can't do this because. Be a whatever it takes person. And when it's necessary, go through the roof around here. 
And, and let me explain. You know the context of it. It's Mark 2, verses 1 through 4, and then jumping to verses 11 and 12 in Mark 2. And I didn't even put it on. Yeah, maybe I did. I did put it on the screen. Excuse me. I jumped around a little bit here. Uh, you remember the guys in the, the New Testament. They had a friend who was sick. Jesus was in a home, and he was doing a healing service or something. The guy was crippled, and he was on his mat, and they get him there, and the fire marshals of the day were standing outside saying, building closed, nobody else can fit into the packed area. Now, most friends would have said, hey, buddy, we're really sorry. Next time we'll come earlier. Or, hey, Mr. Fire Marshal, let me pass you some bucks. And just don't even notice us carrying our pal in here. None of that happened. But as they walked away from the refusal to the door of the home where Jesus was packed, they said, we're, they were with people, whatever it takes. What are we going to do? And so you, most of you know the story. They got the brilliant idea. They're going to go to the roof, they're going to cut a hole in the roof, and they're going to lower the guy down on his mat right in front of, of Jesus. And, you know, now think that through. That's a nice story, but how do you even get the lame guy up on the roof? I mean, put that all together, and then, you know, you, you get all that, and then you tie ropes that you can dangle him down, and you get the saw, and you... And I can't imagine, you know... Jesus is healing people and speaking, and the saw is going, you know. Nice of Jesus not to say, excuse me, could we, you know, somebody control this and get rid of the disturbance? You know, I'm surprised the, the fire marshals didn't come and rip him down. But they made a hole, and they dropped him down. And obviously, you know the rest of the story. He was healed. Let me ask you this question, ladies and gentlemen. Who's on your mat today? Do you hear that? Who's on your mat? If you're, um, if you're a, a just go through the roof person, in when I was spiritually interning, you know, uh, Brian and Kevin, our language back then was make it happen, make it happen. Don't, no, don't. If I have to explain to you all five steps for picking up, you know, some, some paper clips. I'm, I'm, you're not going to help me. Make it happen. You can find paper clips and make a paper clip. Do something. But my new language when I get tired of that is go through the roof. Just go through the roof. Figure this out. This church, oh gosh, how dynamic you are already. I don't want to just talk in future tense. I just keep saying this. Attendance is growing, and, and there is such a vibrancy. Except with your worship team, you know, who wouldn't be vibrant? You know, amazing. If you sit way in the back, maybe it's not as good, I can't tell. Back rows, is it still good worship-wise back there? I'm sure they're telling me. Yes, thank you. They lit up. It's amazing, amazing. But the, the point is, again... We have such a great future as long as we are third-class ticket holders. I want to be one. I travel. I travel all over all the time. And I don't say this just places where my spiritual kids are because some of those places, I, you know, or that I speak, that I don't know people just kind of come and go. But 
I want to be a part of Calvary. I want, and I really mean this, I hope that doesn't sound phony or plastic. I want to be able to feel like in my prayer, in my giving, in my heart, I'm a part of this place. I'm so grateful you're here. And, and so, uh, you know, cut, cut a hole in the roof because you want to get somebody down there who's on your mat. And don't let all the normal, normal, if you're a, a cut a hole in the roof person, you're not this touchy feel. Don't be one of these people that just lists all the reasons why something cannot happen. And, and look, the budget in any church is not unlimited. So most of the time, the way Sam and I did ministry, we had to figure out how to do ministry on not a big budget. So, you know, ideas are cheap, but follow through is invaluable. But put somebody on your mat, a next door neighbor, that you can befriend, that you can show love and kindness to. You cut their lawn or you do anything practical for them. You build a bridge from your heart to theirs. And then you ask them to show up at church with you. And sometime, not the first time or the second time or the third, they may just sure enough let Jesus walk over that bridge. That's what third-class ticket holders do. Oh, gosh, if, if I could say something else, I'd say, and, and I, I'm not going to show the clip. I showed the clip from the old true movie that came out a few years ago, Hacksaw Ridge, the last time I was here. And I showed you that clip from the true story of Desmond Dodds, who was the conscientious objector that kept going after in battle in Okinawa and getting one more person. He was down off the cliff and saving them. He saved 70 lives in that one particular battle where he'd keep saying to the Lord, just one more, just one more. And as you hear the story about him, and I referenced it more last time, and encouraged you to be just one more people, to keep reaching out to friends, family, people in your neighborhood, people that you work with. Gosh, yesterday, and I don't know if the person is here, I hope you are, Maria led some precious woman to the Lord in the concession line. How do you lead somebody to the Lord in the concession line? Getting some food during the sisterhood conference. But it's because she is a just one more person. See, Sam and I used to say it all the time. We don't pastor a big church of 5,000. We pastor people one person at a time. And maybe we don't, but we pour into leaders that then pour into them one person at a time. Every once in a while, I'll shake people up. I'll say, Jesus didn't just die for the world. And then I'll let there be an awkward pause. I say, he died for each one of us, one person at a time. I mean, the Bible even says he counts the hairs on our head, which boy, it, the angels are really working with mine because every time I brush my hair now, I go, is there any hair left up here anymore, you know? And, and then he says that he counts the tears whenever I cry. has a bottle in heaven with my name on it. And he puts those tears in the bottle 
just to let me know that, that he's with me through the highs and through the lows. Just one more. So, you know, as you get that ticket, you'll see on that line at the bottom, just one more. It's what Desmond Dawes in the true story kept saying. But last of all, here's my, my final encouragement to you. And, and then I just want a, a little while to pray. Uh, I heard a, a, a word, and I'm sure I'm going to pronounce it partially incorrectly, uh, called Ubuntu. It's an African word. And by the way, if I, if I don't mention it, remember to pick up your tickets on the way out the door as you leave. Jesus was a storyteller. So I love to tell stories, parables, we call them, because I think it's easier to, to capture meaning when you've got it in stories and it stays with you longer. So let me tell you a closing story before we pray. Um, there's an archeologist uh, that went to a very primitive tribe in Africa to study this most primitive tribe and all the things that, that, you know, went on there. And the archeologist became especially attached to the children as, as they would, would um, play, you know, when it was after hours for him. Gosh, they were so good and they were so poor. They had absolutely nothing in this very primitive African tribe that he was studying. Uh, and it was an anthropologist, not an archaeologist. I'm sorry. So it, it, the true story tells that uh, the anthropologist was about to go back to America, and he had a, several hours before his transportation came to the airport. And so he um, he got a ride into the little city, and and then he found candy, you know, cheap candy, chocolates little lollipops, nothing expensive, but these kids had never probably even seen candy, let alone tasted it. So he got a lot. And there was an old basket that he was able to buy. And back in the corner, there were some bows, probably left over from Christmas or something. He bought a big red bow, stuck it on top of the, the basket, and he filled it with all sorts of treats and candy. And he proudly brought it back to the little village. And then, as he had done when he would play with the kids after he was done with his work, he yelled for them, boys and girls, come, come, and they did. And he said, you know, I'm leaving to go back to America today. And I wanted to, I wanted to play on one last game with you and just to let you know how much you mean. And, and he took his finger and he just made a line uh, all the way across in the dirt. And he said, okay, everybody, stand behind the line right here. And so he said, okay, boys and girls, uh, when I say go, you start running. And you see that big tree way out there? Yes. Well, right underneath that one big tree, way in the distance, you're going to find a basket with a red bow on top. And it's got all sorts of chocolate candy and lollipops. Tastes so yummy. And whoever makes it to that tree first, you win the prize. You get the whole basket 
of candy. And okay, the kids are just excited out of their mind. And so he said, get your toes on the line. Everybody, let's go. On your mark, get set, go! And then, of course, he's expecting the normal for kids to sprint off. That's not what happened. The little boys and girls laughingly grabbed onto each other's hands. And they began to run towards the tree in a long, gangly line, holding each other's hand. And by the time he, he himself walked to the tree, they were there explosive with excitement. They were all eating the chocolate and the lollipops. They'd never had any of that before. Probably weren't going to have any again, at least for a long time. Out of their minds thrilled with what they were experiencing. And, and when it calmed a little bit, he said to a couple of the older boys that he was closer to that spoke a bit more English, I don't understand because I thought you would race to the chocolate and one person would get it, not this. And, and the young man said, it's Ubuntu, sir, sir, Ubuntu. And all the little kids started chanting, Ubuntu, Ubuntu, Ubuntu. And, and the, the young boy with a bit more English said, how could we be happy if the others of us were not? And then again, they began to chant as they ate their chocolate and licked their lollipops, Ubuntu, Ubuntu, Ubuntu. And finally, the anthropologist said to the young man with more English, I'm not familiar with that word in your language. What does it mean? And I want to get the exact interpretation. Ubuntu, he said, and he stood up to give his answer, kind of like he was speaking before a big crowd of famous people. Ubuntu means, I am what I am because of who we all are. Wow, that's a big deal. Calvary, we are who we are because of in destiny, in kingdom, who we all are. That's your story. That's your story, Calvary. Ubuntu. May that be a, a secondary mental mantra for your church. Cut holes in roots and Ubuntu. There is such destiny in this house. Ubuntu. But it won't be all it's meant to be unless all of us become third-class ticket holders. Real quietly without being noisy. Unless you have a physical challenge that it's best for you to remain seated. That's great. The rest of us, could we quietly stand together? Pastor Osway, you can start playing, if you will.
close your eyes for a moment. Oh gosh, a million memories come into my mind. Oh, wait a minute. I thought the band was already up here. I'm sorry. Worship team, my apologies. Come right up. Come right up. You're so good. My apologies. I have a million wonderful memories of 15 years of giving invitations or praying in this exact room in Rockford, Illinois. And I can remember thinking, gosh, the room's big, but Jesus, you walk the aisles. You walk the aisles. You find people. And so one of the signatures of this great church with the Kringles is just to give everybody an opportunity when we're together just to receive, not just to, to make the most important decision of your life, to receive Christ. Calvary isn't just a religion or a church. It's about having Jesus as your personal Lord, your best friend. That's how you can tell if you're really a Christ follower. Is he really your best friend? Do you care more about pleasing him than anybody else? Is he the first place you go to when your world, when you, when you need to talk to somebody? Is he your Lord, number one, most important? Uh, you won't be perfect, none of us are. But gosh, he's number one in your life. I'm so glad when Sam was promoted five years ago that despite how how absolutely precious our marriage union was, that I wasn't left alone. My sons, my adult sons, went home eventually, a few days later. But Jesus was home in my heart. So close your eyes for a minute. If you'd say, and I'm not even going to call you forward, I'm just going to pray for you. You see, that you're just not sure that your relationship that Jesus really is Lord and Savior. Maybe he was before and you've kind of slipped away or maybe you've never heard anybody uh, present it this simply. And it's, again, it's not being Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian. You don't have to go to this church. Just saying, Jesus, I ask you into my life for forgiveness of sins. I give you me. The kind of destiny that, that this lady's talking about, whether you're in this church or somewhere else, I want to, I want I want in. Could I see your hands if you'd say, I'd love to give my life to Jesus Christ. Just slip it up. Yeah, I see that hand. One over there. I think I see four. You may put it down. Jesus, right now, to those four people that I saw, and perhaps others you didn't, and perhaps others online, Jesus, I ask you, as they stand in their seat today, may they never forget this moment. Come into their lives. Forgive them for all the junk we've all done. Your word says that, that when we give our life to you, you begin a whole new world for us. And so according to your word, we ask your forgiveness and make you Lord and Savior. Let today be the beginning of the best part of their lives. In Jesus' name. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that heaven throws a party. Every time one person even prays that, some did here today, but some did at Sisterhood. Some did at the Young Ladies Conference. Could you for a moment celebrate their decision? end a little differently. There's never any obligation, but I love getting out of my seat sometimes at church. When I'm home, I attend my oldest son's church uh, on the weekends. And I love even, even there to kind of go to the cider somewhere, make an altar. I still remember when I was visiting Calvary, gosh, so many years ago, and I Joy Dawson was speaking. I remember the sanctuary cleared, but I needed a moment with Jesus. And I got down on, I, I don't even remember what the seats were back then in the gym. It was in the gym and I was praying. And I remember a sweet lady came up to me and said, is something wrong? And I remember I, I said, no ma'am, nothing's wrong. I just want to mark this day with the Lord. And Joy Dawson's message marked that day. And so let's mark today, third-class ticket holders. If you're saying to the Lord again, I'm in, Jesus, whether it's here or somewhere else, maybe somewhere else, doesn't mean you're coming to church here, but I wanna, I wanna make a difference, I'm in. Why don't you slip out of your row and come, let's crowd the front. There's, in a beautiful sanctuary like this, it's so fun to have a little intimacy together. And again, if you don't want to do that, nothing awkward, don't feel strange at all. But if it feels okay, let's do closing prayer together. I give you my heart, Jesus. Let's go. I give me. I give you me. This is my desire, God. To
we're going to sing it again and we're going to pray. I, I want you to do kind of an unusual thing. Kind of look at the carpet where you are. I know it's all the same, but look at it anyway. Notice your surroundings. Notice where you are. Whether you're down front, you're at a seat, you're at home on your couch. I want you to mark today. I want you to have a bit of that sense of what I had when I came here decades ago. Yeah, decades ago. It was probably pretty close to the five-decade mark. And tucked myself while everybody else went to the lobby and went on in that little chair or pew, whatever it was, over in the old church in the gym. That's now the gym, pardon me. And I just said, I'm not leaving. And, and again, I wasn't going for a feeling. I just said, Lord, I, I don't want to just do church. I want to do you. So I'm at church. That's great. I go to church every Sunday. Pin a rose on my spiritual nose. That doesn't make any devil unhappy. I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be cheesy. But I want my life to count with my next-door neighbor, my family, the people at work, wherever. I may never be spiritual enough to lead somebody to the Lord in a concession line, but I can make a difference. I can treat the cashier at Walmart pleasantly. I can, I can somehow, even this week, I will go to my next-door neighbor, a military genius. His brother passed away, and I'll be at at their honoring service. Do I have a million other things to do? Sure I do, but I'll be there. Because C.S. Lewis says, God whispers in the good times, but he shouts in pain. And I'm trying to make Jesus look real good to the military gentleman next door. So come on, we're gonna sing it again. And then Pastor Kevin will come to close us in prayer. But you're saying, whether you're in your seats or you're forward or you're online, you're saying, third-class ticket holder, God. I'm leaving skin in the game, whether it's at this church or somewhere else. Don't just, and you know this, ladies and gentlemen, we have a church here where everybody floats from one church to another to another. Cut it out. That's like saying, I'm going to raise children and I'm going to float children around all the time. Find a place, anchor there, that you can believe in the pastors, and I'm going to tell you, you can hear remarkably, but that you can be a third-class ticket holder and say, Jesus, this morning I'm sick of being challenged, God. I want to be changed. I want to be changed. I want to be changed. So come on. You're praying, Lord, make me more of a third-class ticket holder. And, and they'll sing it again, and the pastor will close this. Sing it as an anthem, will you? Come on. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I
There's a lot of spiritual dynamic happening in that message today. And I just want to capture it if you would let me get, just give me a few minutes. When I was at the altar here, there's so many new people that have come into this church in the last two years. But there is a core that has been here for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And I just sensed while we were praying at the end there for these two groups to see themselves as coming together, that this is the plan and orchestration of God. There are not two churches in this room. There's one plan of God in this room, okay? And those that have been here a long time, that you would open your heart to receive those new families and those new people in as the reinforcements that God has sent this house to finish the battle, to win the war, and to bring the fulfillment of the promise. You've prayed them here. You've sustained and you've stood and you've kept the faith. And these here are your reinforcements to the answers to your prayers. And those that have been sent here by God from this new generation of church, new season, you've come from all over. You've come from New Jersey, New York, most of the cold places. That God had a church here ready for you for this season of the life that you're in. That he'd already prepared a place for you to raise your kids and your grandkids and your life and, and not to come and retire in, but to come and finish strong in. That, that God's brought you and this group that was here before you has kept the faith and provided a place so that when you came, you could go right into mission and right into purpose. And so I'm just telling you, something of God has been happening here. The last piece is the heart of God for all of us to get involved. Please hear that. There's too many spectators in churches, and I am not a statistics person, so I do not let statistics tell me what the Word of God says. And so when statistics come in and say that 20% of a church does all the work, I don't believe that to be true in God's house here at Calvary. I won't settle for that because Jesus didn't die for 20% of his body to function. He died for a whole body. Somebody get excited about that. And I believe that we can have 100% participation in some way, shape, or form in this house. And I believe that's the will and plan of God. The symbols of God in the New Testament are that of the body. When, when a certain percentage, 80% of your body isn't functioning, it's called death. Like something's wrong. And so he gives us the image of the body. He also gives us the image of the building. You're the temple of God. And when only 20% of your temple is strong and 80% is falling apart or not pulling together, there's a problem. He also calls us the army of God in the New Testament. When only 20% of the soldiers are fighting and winning the battle, the other 80% aren't doing their job, you're not gonna win that battle. Every bit of language in the New Testament is prophesying and declaring 100% participation from every soldier, every living stone, every joint fit together, working and supplying. Amen. And so we begin to just speak that and receive that by faith. And so I thank God for the message this morning. 
it's not a message of comfort. It's a message of let's go to work. Let's do this. There's too many lives at stake. Orlando needs the churches of Jesus to get together and to do what they've been called to do. And so, Father, we receive this message and we receive whatever part you speak to us to play in this message. God, we're not looking for this to be our place of just taking it easy and being entertained or comfortable. God, we're looking to go to work. We're looking to do some warfare. We're looking to make a difference. And so, God, I ask that you put your hand on each one of our hearts of why you brought us here. You set the body in the house. You join the members together. And so, God, we thank you that you've brought us together for such a time as this. And Lord, we thank you that we're willing to do what you've called us to do. I bless this house. I bless this moment. I do believe it's pivotal. I do believe it's a turning point moment. And we receive it. And we say yes. We may not understand the fullness of it. Mary didn't understand the fullness when she said, be it done unto me according to your word. But that gave you the permission to start the process. And so God, we begin to say, be it done unto us according to your word. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God thanks, would you? Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.